We're here at the KM Podcast. Ken Brown from WGI Radio. Michael Hare, DetroitLions.com, as we talk Detroit Lions football. Hello, Mr. Michael. Hello, Ken Brown. You caught me at a good time. I'm out at the facility at Allen Park, so it's, I feel I feel like I'm talking football because I'm where the football is played. Yeah, but only a week with no uh, nobody's there this week, right? Is there a uh, no uh, OTAs this week, right? So you I, you're I, covering basically I, nothing. Well, I wouldn't say that, but go ahead. Are you um, <laughs> reflecting on the events you saw over the past weeks? You know, it's interesting that you brought that up because you know we've got certain things we do like questions of the week and all that. And one of them for you know coming up in the next couple of weeks is what sort of expectations I have for the Detroit Lions in, in 2022. And you know, I, my my gut is that they'll be within a game of 500 one way or the other, you know, eight and nine or nine or eight or something like that. But if they deviate from that, I think I'd be more inclined to pick them to go up than go down. So mm-hmm. I, I I see some pretty good things for the Detroit Lions. Well, that's why I didn't. We didn't do a podcast last week. I wanted a week to just sit back after all the noise is over. Because you know, as you're going through mini camp, as you're going through OTAs, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of whisper and chatter. But once you can sit down after everything is settled in and reflect on what's going on, and that's what I took the week doing. Looked over the whole roster. Looked over the coaching staff. Looked over who they're playing. Looked over some. I read some things up on the opponents. You know, uh, the in the rest of the NFC and the AFC. And now I can make a few generalizations and I can make a few predictions because I think I got a bead on this team and I think I got a bead on this league. You know, Ken, that's a, what you're bringing up is a good point. And I was thinking about this because I knew we were doing the podcast and. You know, we have we have a tendency to get affected immediately by what we just saw. And I'll just give you, in our town here in Detroit, you know, the Tigers win a couple of games. They bring a, a hot rookie up, and all of a sudden things are better. Uh, the the Pistons, the NF, NBA draft is coming. The Pistons are going to be better. The NHL draft is coming. The Red Wings are going to be better. Well, we'll wait a couple of weeks and we'll see. Right. Okay. There's okay. hope and there's take, reality. Ex, exhale. Yeah, there's and hope I, and, and there's reality. You know, everything. Then, Go ahead. No, and I'll say, and I probably all three of those teams will get better. I can't get worse. But, but you sort of have to, even myself, you have to temper things a little bit with the reality of what's going on. Oh, no doubt. And, and you could take any sport. Oh, when they drafted Stanley Johnson, he was going to be the, the next, you know, the next Ron Artest. Or when they drafted, you know, this guy, this hockey player, he was going to be the next, you know, Eiserman. Or if the Lions, when they drafted so-and-so, he was the next. And you just have to sit back and temper. Now, this is the one thing, Mike, I want to talk to you about. I do not place emphasis on rookies. I mean, I feel that they can help a little bit with the team. It's a rare occasion where a rookie really comes in and changes a team. It it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But the first year is rare. You have to pick your spots, and I think here in Detroit, we picked our spots with two guys within a span of nine years, 1980 Billy Sims of the Lions, 1989 Billy Sanders of the Lions. Both guys made immediate impact from day one. Right. but they, that and, have, from, from the first time they put their hands on the ball. But the position you're talking about is the one that you can do that with. I was going to tell you, running back is the position you can do that with. And even Calvin, he had a, he had a decent rookie year. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the great rookie year. Herman Moore had like 11 catches, I think, his rookie year. So, you never know what's going to happen. So, I, to me, the Lions' success this year will be judged on the second and third year players. 
Well, yeah, but the team is going to be judged on what it does now, and 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 so you need, for example, Aiden Hutchinson drafted second overall. You need him to do something. Yeah, do something. But you can, you don't you is if you're depending on him to be a Bosa, third year Bosa right now, in his first year, then you're 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 delusional. That's not going to happen. If you if you expect to be JJ White in his fifth year right now, that's not going to happen. If you no, if he gets a solid year out of him though, and you get eight sacks or whatever and a bunch of pressures and makes some some big plays, to me that's a successful rookie year. Uh, go to, go back two years ago when the, the pass rusher from Ohio State gets drafted, gets drafted second overall. Chase Young, next great, yeah, Chase Young, and he had seven and a half sacks. That's a nice nice, nice year. rookie year. Nice That's rookie a nice year. rookie year, but that didn't change things around for the no. for the Washington franchise. No. And and what happened last year? He gets hurt in his first or second game of the season, and so he's like a lot of other young players. He's now starting all over, building all over again. Now, right. do I think he's going to be a good player? Yeah, I do, but he's not going to be Bosa. He's going to be Chase Young, whatever that is. I think the last rookie like that that came out of and just dominated as a rookie. Was uh, the guy from Tennessee, Javon Curse? I think he had like 15 sacks as a rookie. That's rare. Look how long we're talking. We're talking about, you know, that was back when Chris Caborn got drafted. So, whatever oh, year that was, 97, 98, 90, somewhere in there. That was that year. It was the same year. So, let, let me, let me, I've got to add this then, okay? 1978, second round draft pick from Colorado State. All right, Mike. We're not going back that far. We're not going back that far. We're not going back to 1978. I know how hard you want to go back and find your bell bottom pants and your your make love, not war button, but we're not doing it today, okay? We're not going back that far. There are extreme examples. Well, okay, Mike. So you gave me an example of something that was basically 44 years ago. Okay, I'll give you a once out every 44 years then. But I'm just saying how hard it is. So this, when we think about what's going on with this team, the Akutas, the Hutt, the Hawkinsons, the uh, McNeil and Anzarike, those are the guys, if this team is going to really improve, those are the guys oh, they are going to have to improve. Absolutely. Those are the guys I'm absolutely. looking at. You know, um, Derek Barnes, these kind of guys, the guys that – have had the year or two, in Hakuda's case, this is his third year in the system. These are this is the core. This is what why I think the Lions have failed the last five or six years. They never got a <laughs> core young group that came in and stayed and became the second, third, year. I'm talking about since Caldwell. I'm talking about since Caldwell, the Patricia years. You know, they well, never. You they, you, do you think they failed the last two years under under uh, under Holmes? No, because they're into this now. I'm saying before Holmes. Okay. This is all. <clears throat> excuse me. This is all before Holmes. I'm saying the reason why there was no core young group in place. You know, Patricia didn't leave one. Patricia, I don't even know if he inherited one. I had to go back and look and see. Call was Call was, was mostly veterans. I don't think he left a core young group when he got fired. Even though his record was good. But I think he was, was doing that with, he was doing that with older players and veterans and stuff, the, the Golden Tates and such. Um, but I'm just saying, it's been a while since the Lions had a young core. They had a core in the 90s. That was a young core, the, the Crockett's and Benny Blades and Spillman's, that young core. Um, I, I'm trying – I think um, Jim Schwartz had a young crew with the Sues and, and Calvin and – um, Stafford and them, Stafford. but they, they just never developed. They never got any the lower picks. They never were able to make this core. So 
I think Brad Holmes is building a core here. Now, this to see if it works, we'll move on from there. No, I, I would agree with that. And I think with one, let, let's give Bob Quinn some credit for one thing. He did build that offensive line. That's basically, except for, except for Penny Sewell, that's his work. And, I, and, and that's probably that's the strength of that team right now and one of the strongest offensive lines in the National Football League. Yeah, but aside get, from that, he does get credit for that. He, You're exactly he, he right. Really he does did. get credit yes, for he that. Did. He does get credit for that. He came in. He came in. He came in and said, "You believe you went in the trenches," and he went for defensive linemen and offensive linemen. Right. And he hit on. He hit on half. He hit on the defensive line. I mean, the offensive yeah, linemen. No. The defensive line he didn't hit on because the the hands and the other ones that didn't. Uh, that didn't. Uh, no, they were, they were they were just guys. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about this team now. Um, I got some posts. I didn't go out there every minicamp practice, but I saw enough. You were out there all the time, so you probably saw more than me. Just, I, I was haunting it. Yeah, well, you don't watch anything out there. Mike, Mike, Mike is fixated on one group, position group, and you know the, the world could blow up around the rest of it. But he will give you the, this, oh, the, the, oh. the he will give you the the four or one or whatever his interest is at that day. So why do I why do I continue to put up with this? <laughs> but anyway, what was your uh, look area of expertise during the mini camp, and what do you see? Well, first of all, what I looked at was energy, and you know that's I thought that was I thought that really stood out the energy on this team the the absolute joy of playing football came through it really did. Now they're not getting banged around. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be joyous. If in training camp with full combat, no, but but just an absolute. They were having fun out there. They were good guys. They liked playing with each other. They liked playing football, and I think that stood out. I thought the the the, the one player, if I had to pick a guy that I was most impressed with, it would be Jared Goff for what I think, what he overcame his first year here, and what I think he might be able to do in 2022. Now there's no guarantees, you know, but I just think that. At that position, he's done enough in the National Football League now that we can rate him fairly, and I think I think now he can be a top 10 or 12 quarterback in the National Football League, and you can win with that. You can win games with that. Uh, okay. I can I can agree with that. I can agree with even though – And you can lose games, Kenny, with better. Just ask Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, and, I agree with that. But, I, you know, everybody knows my opinion on the backup quarterback situation, so I'm not even going to well, waste our time. You know, I'm just saying – in the position group, you got a, a one player that I think is going to try to prove himself, and then you got question marks. So right. I just think that that position needs to be upgraded, but we'll see how it works. And and golf, like I said, man, the way these contracts are coming out now, golf is playing for money. I mean, you might think he makes a lot of money, but in comparison to the now the top five or six contracts in that league for quarterbacks, he's got a lot at stake because he's a young man. You guys remember, I think he's 28 now, and he's got a lot at stake here. You know, he's got so, listen. He's got ten years ahead of him before he's considered old. Yeah, so he's got a lot of stake here, money wise. So, you know, he was a number one draft pick for a reason. Now, if he plays up to that, then the, the Lions are good. You don't have to go into the draft looking for quarterbacks, and you can concentrate on building the rest of your team. But this is a make or break year for me with him. Well, he's also he's also got a couple of years left on his contract after this year, a pretty big money. So what he's playing for is to hang on to that contract. In other words. You be the Detroit Lions quarterback of the present and the future. You're in pretty good shape if you're if you're Jared Goff. And yeah. I think I think the odds are in his favor. Everything I hear from people raving about the draft rookie class of 2022, and I'm looking at what I'm looking at. I see a bunch of undersized guys who are pretty good. Uh, if if that, 
I, of all those 22 quarterbacks that last year, none of them impressed me, except for uh, in New England. I give him credit, but that was to me. We got to see after another year if that was the system was that Mac Jones because that you know he had a good year. But let's just dynamic. see, He's right? Let's just see. Player. Let's just see. No. Now, my view of the Lions is this: what I saw, and I never thought I would say these things. For one, I think they got enough receivers. I think they got a uh, the receiver room has been way upgraded from last year, and yeah, I think they have a winning receiver room now. Yeah, can I just add one thing? What we said before, when you said running back is the one position where you can make an immediate impact. Yeah. And I'd say wide receiver too, and I think they have one in Jamison Jamison Williams. Well, 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 Mike. When he gets healthy, I'm well. I'm just saying, let's hold off on that because, like, if anybody's watched Pulp Fiction, let's not go around and you know the rest of the Pulp Fiction line. Let's uh, you just see Pulp Fiction evidently, Mike. Uh, let's just wait on because he hasn't played a snap of NFL football yet. So it's a hope he can get back to what he was. And then even after what he was, he'd still be a rookie. So let's, let's slow on the mic on the Jameson Williams right now. All right. Let's, let's pretend he's not there right now. All right. Well, he's not there right now. Well, I'm saying let's pretend he's not there and he's not going to be there for the first, whatever, even without him, they have a winning receiver room right now. I agree. I I agree. You know, guys like, uh, Trinity, Trinity Benson even performed during his camp. Yeah, he's got speed, I'll tell you. Yeah, that. so, you know, guys that last year were afterthoughts, Cephas is back, who always been, has been impressive to me during camp. Every camp he's been in, even as a rookie, I thought he was impressive. And he was coming on before he broke his collarbone right. last year. Right, we're talking about Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin, I believe it was. Yep. Fifth or sixth round draft pick. i tell you what, he's got strong hands. Uh he looks big out on the field. You can stand next to him. He's six one, nothing special. Right. He, he certainly plays big. Uh, lacks speed, and he'll never have it. But but he certainly knows how to maneuver uh, out on the playing field. And I think he's a good player. But when you look at him, he might be your fifth and sixth receiver. Right. And that tells you how strong he plays. Wide receiver room is. Plays like a poor man's Michael Irvin. I said it at the time. I said it before. He reminds me of Michael. Not as good as Michael Irvin. Not as big as Michael Irvin. But the way he competes for the ball, and the, like you said, the the physicalness he plays with, it's my ball. If it's anywhere close to me, I'm getting it. I'm, you know, I'm not waiting for it to get into my hands. He can be an asset. Now, yeah, offensive, he, and, he, and I tell you what, he's smooth making his cuts too, getting in and out. He yeah. is just he's he a good do good player. So you got a nice little group there. Um, Devin Funches, who I said years ago the Lions should have signed, they signed him. I don't know if he's got anything left. We'll see, but you know, it's, it doesn't hurt to have a big. 28-year-old body that's a good player and has been a good player in this league, and even if he's a backup tight end or you put him out of receiver sometimes if you can move him around, you know, if he gives you 25 catches, 30 catches, and, and they're good catches, uh, it's not not bad to have a backup like that. No, it's not bad to have a backup like that. He hasn't had much production as a player, but we'll see what he does. See what he, he does. Out here. So offensively, I think they're set. I, 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 I am a little worried about running back because I don't know if Swift – is an every down back now. I know he's got talent. I know if he ever played a full, you know, schedule, he would be very good. But I just, like I said, looking back on that draft now, I think he, uh, Taylor from Wisconsin was the guy they should have picked. And I thought at the time either one of them was okay with me. And even though Ohio State got Dobbins out, it took either one of the three. But I was a Taylor fan because I saw the Big Ten closely, and I just thought he was the one to get it. Turns out. Indianapolis was right. He was the one. Well, I like DeAndre Swift, and 
I'm not much on redrafting, so I'll leave that to you. Yeah, but I do think that they might need another back. That's the only on offense, the only thing I'm worried about because, like I said, I, I don't know yet until Swift finishes a year and a full year. He hasn't done it, and Jamal Williams is okay. Jamal Williams is a good backup, a good hard-nosed runner, but I just think there's a there's a back to be had in there somewhere. So, well, we'll I'll see. tell you what. One thing about one thing about DeAndre Swift, he scores a lot of touchdowns. He gets in the end zone. No problem when he's on the field. Like I said, talent-wise, there's no problem. I mean, like I said, if he ever could put a full year in, he he he'll be up there with Taylor. Maybe not as a rusher because he won't get that uh-huh. many carries, but he'll be up there production-wise, touchdowns and, you know, big plays, first downs. He'll be up there, but he, he got to stay on the field. And I think the coaches even talked about that. Campbell – or it wasn't Campbell. It was the uh, – who was it that said – well, it was the running back, Coach Staley. He said, I'm teaching them the difference between being hurt, being injured, and staying on the field. So even he kind of admitted, you know, you got to put some of those those bruises and bumps out and get on that field. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, absolutely. The, the issue with him isn't talent. It's not want to or any of that. It's just stay, it's standing. It's like they said, the greatest ability is availability, and he hasn't been available quite enough. Right. Now, defensively, until they put the pads on, I don't know what's happening. I know the aggressiveness they're playing with and the aggressiveness they play with in camp. But until they put the pads on and start knocking guys around, I can't tell one way or another what kind of defense they're going to have. But if you go by effort, I think it's a way better group than last year, and I think it's a more mature group than last year, and I think they know what they're doing this year. Well, I think, yeah, these players have really embraced the uh, the offense, the 4-3 of the attack and all that, as a, and, and to get away from the read and react that they ran last year because they reacted a little slow. And they read a little, whatever they read, I don't know, but they reacted a little bit slow. And Look, this was a team that had 30 quarterback sacks a year ago you're going nowhere in the National Football League if you can't get to the quarterback, and that's, that's something that they couldn't do. Yeah, and um, now one thing I was alarmed with that um, did not even look like he was running around during camp, Awarie. Awarie, he, 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 he didn't even no. really participate in camp. and I know he got hurt middle of the year last year, but I thought he would be doing more by now. Did, were you a little worried about that? No, I thought that was what he got hurt with two games to go last year. No, not worried at all. I saw him out there enough to, to satisfy any concerns about that. So you'll think he'll be okay by I think yeah, I think yeah, I think he's fine. Yeah. All right. I wouldn't worry about him. Okay. Um that's the Kim Brown worry part. Um now I always pick one name out of, from a rookie, undrafted rookie or a rookie or somebody that came in that stood out to me physically. I don't know if he'll when the pads come on if he'll do anything but not but Obina Easy, I want people to remember that name. He's a big offensive tackle that was signed. This is one of the biggest right. humans I've seen. Arms, I, yeah. I mean, I remember back in the day, what was the guy that came from San Diego? Mike? I thought he was like the biggest guy. Oh, uh, two or three years ago. No, no I'm talking about back yeah. in the 80s, back when um, they signed the three linemen, um, Freilich, Richards, and the other guy. I thought that one guy was the biggest guy I'd ever seen on the football field. Uh, the tackle that they signed, the third. Oh one. yeah, I know the kid from. Uh, he yeah, from his Kansas. helmet looked like yeah. a swimming pool. I mean, it was just this guy yeah. is just massively big. This Obina Easy is that's how he's, his arms it looks like he's like can cut you know trim grass without bending over with a cutter. It's just these arms are to the floor. He's he's just huge. 
Yeah, he's uh, look. That's he's he's got a. I would think he's got a future somewhere in the National Football League. It's hard for me to see it in Detroit at any at any time soon because they got the other five starters. And they got three guys behind them who really are starting caliber players, and that's the depth they have at, at the offensive line. Yeah, somebody always gets hurt, and you can always hopefully well, they can stash saying, them, though. or they can stash them, and maybe they can stash them on the practice squad for a year before somebody finds out that you can just grab them. But we'll see during camp. Like I said, I just want to see him in pads. I want to see what he does. He was not drafted for a reason, but I'm just saying. There's always offensive linemen that go that route and become good players in the league. So it's not like you never know when they're you never know when they're going to develop, and you never know when they're not going to develop. It's it's just it's the way it is. Well, that's uh, my wrap for the mini camp. My wrap for what's going on. I do want to bring other one other subject up before we go today, and this is the Deshaun Watson deal because it kind of affects the whole league. And I just want to know where you stand on this part for those that don't know. Uh, a couple of more women have come into the group that are civilly suing him. I think it's up to 24 now, and you know, as we do this show, could be five more by the time it's over. You know, but anyway, uh, Cleveland's on the hook. They paid him the money, low first year, guaranteed. but 234 million guaranteed. So they and they gave up draft picks, so they're stuck with what they got. I mean, if they wanted to get out of the deal, which they might, probably could, money wise, you probably get all your draft picks, and you're gonna have to. You might as well just keep them. So you're stuck with. Them. Yeah, nah. what's three first-round picks. and Three first-round picks, players, and everything else, and you alienated the quarterback you had that he's not coming back even if you did rescind it. You can't just make up with Baker Mayfield now because you said too much and done too much, and he's not coming back. So you're just in a pickle right now. But my thing is, if you're – just say the Lions that took Deshaun Watson, everything else being the same, what do you do – if you're the Cleveland ownership now, what, I mean, what what do you do, Mike? You see what's going to happen, and this this is not going away. Even if those cases are settled, it's just a bad look for Cleveland. It's a bad look for the league. It's a bad look for Deshaun Watson. What 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 do you do if you're in running things? What do you do? Well, they've already explained that thing in the press conference when they signed him, and how they stood behind him. They're satisfied with everything that they know, and so whatever they've done in that regard. They brought that on themselves because they did their due their due diligence, all of that, and have decided that he was fit to play for the Cleveland Browns. So you're stuck with that. So what do you do? You ride it out the best you can as long as you can. You don't have any choice. Will that hurt a team, though? I don't think it would hurt in the locker room at That's all. That's what I'm saying. Will it hurt in the locker room on the field? The only thing that would hurt in the locker room is if he, if he can't play. That's all. You he think he plays a couple of good games, the fans uh, forgive him in Cleveland? Because half the Cleveland doesn't want him there now anyway. I think some I think some will and some won't. Me, I, you know, I've said this before about other players, too. I, I would not sign that type of player. I really wouldn't. It's just to me it's not worth the grief. Yeah, I agree. I, I, look, I, I want to win as much as anybody, but like you said, I agree. I, it's just too much for me to – overcome even if he was settled everything or whatever i just find the whole situation something i just wanted to stay away from i just i don't care if he's exonerated or not and you can admit it within the darkness of your home with the windows drawn closed that that whole situation just isn't right and you know it now i don't know if he was guilty of sexual assault or whatever but just the whole situation makes me want to take a shower and the other part of it is too is it's not like this was a three-year veteran, a five-year veteran, or a nine-year veteran who was who 
had been had been with your team that long was one of your guy, one of your core guys. No, they went out and got this guy. Right. They recruited him. Exactly. They went after him, knowing what was they going knew, on. Knowing what was going on, they went out, made him the highest paid player in the history of the National Football League, and they did it willingly. Yep. They did it willingly. So they brought it on themselves. They brought it on their franchise. And if I were the owner of it, I would have an awful long talk uh, with my front office people who are involved in this, and there might be some changes. Well, he signed off on it. He, if he's going to have a talk with them, I he know. better talk I'm, to himself because he, he went and did that press conference with his wife the day after right. they signed him, and, right. and, and oh, we, he, he was all full go on it. So, Why do men always bring their wives to the press conference? No, when you when any type of like a sexual assault on. situation or something with a, a, yeah. men and women, they always bring a woman in with them, a wife, a daughter. They bring in, you yeah. know, the grandmother if they can wheel her in. They bring anybody in <laughs> to show that you know yeah. I'm, I'm soft. But you know, look, we'll let it go. Your prediction on how many games he gets? Uh, I'll say at least eight. I say he misses half the year. I agree with you. Eight and a half. They might even, since it's 17 games now, he'll have to sit out the first half of the no. ninth game. No, no, he can play every other play, every <laughs> other stamp. Uh, speaking of, since I just brought this, speaking of that, the, the college football, that's the stupidest rule ever. That targeted rule is stupid. I hope the NFL never adopts it. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Mike, where if you get throw, no. you get tossed out of a game for a targeting helmet hit or whatever, oh, yeah. you can't play the ne- the first half of the next game. What, what kind of, what, what, come on, what kind of rule is this? That's ridiculous. That's, uh, there's a lot of things that don't make sense, and that's exactly. one of them. All right, Mike, so we'll be back. I don't know if we're going to do it every We'll be back when events uh, dictate, but we'll talk about it and then get ready for a training camp, which is, I guess is about a month from now. And uh, if any uh, big news happens, yes, if any big news happens, we'll be back with it. But other than that, uh, give me a one to a letter grade on Lions off season up to now. We'll end it with that. I'd say a B, good solid B. B. I give I'm gonna do two, a coaching and a player one. I give coaching a A. I think the coaches and management have done everything right. I give the players a B minus B. B minus because a lot of injured questions still avail, still there. So I that's right, the only so thing look, taking them down. The one area that I think that, need, that still needs the most work is linebacker, but the way they're playing it, it might be a might be a position that's Look, you stop him on first down. Next thing you know, you've got one linebacker on the field, and right. you know five to five defensive backs and four defensive linemen. Right. You know? So we'll see. What I guess that it's up to ten. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of people no out there. There's exactly. no penalty for only having ten. Exactly. <laughs> All right, that's Michael here at DetroitLions.com. Check out his work on DetroitLions.com, and if you go over there, check out the video of the draft video. I thought that was one of the better Detroit Lions productions they did this year inside the. The last draft where they showed you inside the war room when all the picks were being made. Very interesting. Uh, All good stuff over there. So check them out. And you can check me out on DetroitLions.com. Next time we do this podcast, I will give you our secret information on who our player for the next year will be on the Mitch Album Show, who we'll be doing every week. And uh, it's a secret right now. I can't reveal the name. Yes, but in about uh, the next podcast, I will tell everybody who our player for the year is going to be. And you'll be excited to hear this name. So just stay tuned for that. Well, that sounds good. You know what? You're going to have to tell me off the air. Yeah, I'll tell you off the air. All right, Michael here. That's it for this week. See you guys. We're out.